0: Hi, I'm Dr. Tanya Bailey and welcome to Arts, Artists and Advocates, a podcast broadcast that you can find more content on by going to lccconnect.com. Go ahead and do it today. Arts, Artists and Advocates is a series of conversations and performances that explore diversity, equity and inclusion through the arts and activism. We're highlighting the work of people on our campus and in our community. That's making a difference. June Jordan, one of the most widely published and highly acclaimed Jamaican-American writers of her generation, also a poet, playwright, and essayist, known for her fierce commitment to human rights and political activism. Over a career that produced 27 volumes of poems, essays, and so much more, including work for children, Jordan engaged the fundamental struggles of her era through civil rights, women's rights, sexual freedom, and so much more. As we continue to celebrate Black history awareness in February, and in fact all year long here at Lansing Community College with Culture 365, we're recognizing the contributions that have been made by Black poets. Today, on Arts, Artists, and Advocates. We're proud to feature an Emmy Award-winning spoken word artist, multi-published author, former BND slam coach, as well as educator who's gonna share her love for poetry, spoken word, and social justice. Please help me welcome Ms. Crystal Kiray Turner to Arts, Artists, and Advocates. Yay! Thank you for having me. <laughs> We're so excited that you're here today. Yes. Oh, this is such an honor. Uh, and we want to get this out front. You're from Flint. <laughs> yes. Born and raised from Flint. Born and raised from Flint. Today's show, Ray, is fittingly titled Speak Up, Speak Out. And I can't wait to get into this with you. Tell us where you're from uh, uh, with Flint and other places that maybe you've lived and how that has influenced your work. So um,
1: I uh, was born and raised in Flint. Um, I lived there until I was about 26 years old. I moved to um, Indianapolis, Indiana. Wow. For a moment, I was there for a few years. Um, it was very interesting. It Mm -hmm. was, um, a different, a mix of like the Midwest and the South. Mm. Um, and so I experienced a lot of, a lot of just different cultural experiences there, but also I really connected with the art scene. Um, incredible poetry community in Indianapolis. So I was there for a few years and then it was just time to come back home. Mm. So I came back home and got grounded so I'll be
0: here for a moment. Listen, now, now she said 26, but I, the listeners can't see you, but she looks 12, just so you all know. <laughs> just beautiful. <laughs> we got to figure out what, what she's doing to stay, stay so young looking. Uh, tell us about your publishing company, right, your business, and how does the arts uh, express activism through what you do?
1: So my publishing company, Ivy Publishing, um, I've been running it for a few years. I originally started it when I was 18. Wow. Um, so it's 14 years in business this year. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Um, And it has been extremely helpful for me um, to just grow as a business owner, but also it's connected me to other people who may not be able to advocate for themselves verbally, Mm -hmm. but they have a story they want to write. They have something Mm. that they want to tell, but they've never, they don't feel that they can come and read it publicly or speak it publicly, but it's being written so other people can read it as well. Um and I think there's a lot of so much of, of activism for me, like the basis of it is writing it
0: down and making it plain and making it visible. Yes, I love that. I love, I love that. Um for those listeners who are tuning in today, could you please describe what spoken word is? So Spoken word
1: um, is essentially performance-based poetry. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is written word that is read aloud. Um, There's usually a performance element to it. Um, There's also a competitive element as well with slam, Mm. uh, which um, started really because people were needing to be more interested in poetry and everybody likes a good competition. (laughs) So um, it gave people a chance to really showcase their
0: work to a larger audience. Nice. That's very nice. Well, I started off in my monologue talking about uh, the work of June Jordan, right? And then, uh, so I thought it'd be great if I gave a quote from Jordan and I wanted to get your reaction. So I'm going to read it. This is a difficult miracle of black poetry in America, that we persist, published or not, and loved or unloved, we persist. What does that quote say to you as a spoken word artist?
1: It definitely resonates with me um in my journey. I've been performing since I was about sixteen years old mm. um and I've been writing at least since I was about ten and I had never thought about publication or anything I didn't necessarily think that it was plausible for mm. me. It wasn't really a thought um, but my focus on writing was about my healing. It was about my self-empowerment. It wasn't necessarily about that. So the persistence is always kind of been there. And then just being a representative of so many communities outside, like outside and inside of just being a black woman. Yes. um, There are so many different, uh, different, different obstacles um, that we have to persist through. And it's like we're always having something to write about. There's always creation that can come from
0: living life yes. as a black person. I love that. So here on on the show, we like to have fun. <laughs> and so we have a game that we, we, we play here called If... I absolutely love it. And so it's now time for our game of if. I am going to read a couple of statements that start with the word if, and I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind as you respond to it. Are you ready to play? Yes. Here we go. Our first question reads, if diversity was a dessert, what would it be for you and why? Hmm.
1: If diversity was a dessert, I would say for me, it would be molten lava cake. Mm. Um, For one, that's my favorite, but for two, the thing that makes molten lava cake very distinct is what's in the center of it. Yes, It looks like everything else. It looks like just like a regular chocolate cake, and so you actually get to what's inside. And so for me, diversity is that outside layer, but what's inside that makes it so empowerful Mm -hmm. and impactful is inclusion and equity in and of itself. Diversity in and of itself to me is like a bag of rainbow Skittles. It's like, oh, it's all different. That's different. It's cool. But there has to be a, a bigger purpose in it. Like, that's not like you can't just have diversity.
0: You can't just have sprinkles. Oh, so. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. OK, here's your next question. Okay. And you're winning, by the way. Uh, if equity, if equity was a vehicle, like a car, a plane, mm. or bus, what would it be for you?
1: Hmm. Wow. Um, it'd probably be a car. Okay. It would be a Cadillac. Okay. <laughs> um, it would definitely be a Cadillac, but it would be very modern internally, mm. um, and I think that's just because again, again, uh, with equity, with me, I struggled with it for a minute because I re- I really didn't understand what it was. Mm-hmm. But in seeing the like, the difference between equity and equality, mm. equality to me is everybody having what they need, mm. like so everybody having the same thing, the same, yes. But like it's it's what they need, but it's all the same. And then with equity, it's it's specifically tailored to that person. So it's what you need and it's the same as in, it's also help, but it's specific to you. And so for me, I'm not the best driver. (laughs) And so (laughs) I need a rear view facing camera, I need Mm -hmm. a GPS system. And so I would have to have like those modern things in this old school Cadillac. Mm -hmm. It would have to be
0: something that's tailored to me. I'm not just the same driver that everybody else is. I love that, tailored to you, that's equity, tailored to you. Okay, here's another question. If inclusion was a song, what would it sound like or be? And I'll, because you're a spoken word artist, I'll throw in if inclusion was a poem. Wow. Okay. Um, if it was a song,
1: I don't necessarily know the song that it would be, but it would be played by an orchestra. Mm. It would be a collection of every instrument that needs to be there, mm. the same way that everyone bring something to the table when diversity and equity and inclusion is present.
0: Um, and if it was a poem, wow. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we're going to get to it. We'll, we'll get to it. I'm telling you, you're winning right now. I got one final question in this game called If. Sure. If you could go back in time and tell your teenage self something that's related to diversity, equity, inclusion, what would that be and why?
1: I would tell my teenage self to be myself. Um, I grew up, well, again, like born and raised in Flint, but I went to a school that was predominantly white. I wasn't the majority at all. And mm-hmm. it was a huge transition for me from fourth grade until my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was really in that space of trying to figure out the best kind of black person mm-hmm. to be. Because I, I learned at a very young age to kind of stifle what came across as anger, mm. to not fit into the stereotypes of whatever I thought the stereotypes were. Um, and so I would just tell myself to be authentically myself. And I know a part of that is figuring out yourself. It's all a journey. Mm-hmm. But a part of who I was being was because I didn't know how to be black enough
0: for me. That's so good black enough for me i i i resonate with that and get that and i have to give you the biggest biggest hand clap because (laughs) you have won the game of if (laughs) you've clearly identified what diversity equity inclusion is i would not add to any of that i want our audience to celebrate and applaud you for that We've been talking a a bit about a few quotes today uh, from famous uh, uh, spoken word artists or just writers in general. And I know you are aware of Amanda Gorman. Yes. (laughs) She's a big, 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 uh, big one for me on the list. I want to read to you about four different quotes from her, but I'm going to let you pick one that you really want to respond to that she has said. Here's the first one. There is always light if only we're brave enough to see it. The second one. For it is our grief that gives us our gratitude, shows us how to find hope if we ever lose it. The third one, the only approval you need is your own. And then finally, a quote from Amanda Gorman says, For while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. Which of these quotes speaks to you uh, the most and why? I think the last quote definitely speaks to
1: me the most. Um, it made me do a church hmm. <laughs> when I heard it. Um, I think just because there's, there's so much of history that is being able to repeat itself mm. right now in our current state. Um, and we are able to take full advantage of that in a way that our ancestors couldn't before us. But at the same time, we still have their legacy That's holding us up as Mm -hmm. well. Um, And so I think it's just that idea that like we have our ancestors, but we also are our ancestors. We're all still having the same DNA, still having the same connection that that power and that strength and that focus and that drive is still in us. That's it's something powerful. that's innately there to tap into. So
0: that's powerful. We have our ancestors, but we are our ancestors. That, that's gotta be on a shirt. You have to know this. I put a lot of stuff on shirts. <laughs> now that's one of them. So we talked earlier about the title of, of the show being called Speak Up, Speak Out. How does this phrase, um, how does this phrase intertwine with the work that you do as an activist? How does that align? It really
1: honestly is the phrase that kind of began to drive my activism when Mm. I first decided that's what I wanted to do and be. um, I had, I worked with the local uh, YWCA, Mm -hmm. and we did an event called Speak Up, Speak Out. Oh, um, wow. In honor. (laughs) I didn't know it, I promise. Back in 2013, um, in honor of um, assault victims and survivors. Um, And I am one as well. Um, And so that was a major thing for me was I was, focusing on telling my story. Mm. And I, but I didn't understand that there was more to the healing process than telling my story, but that was the start of it. And so I feel like that is the start of bringing awareness to a lot of things. Literally, if you see something, say something. Yes, that, That's what speaking up and speaking out is, because
0: that's what starts that collective awareness and difference. I love it, and and it can apply to so many different areas, as as you mentioned, a, a sexual assault survivor, or or being bullied, or a variety of different areas in our lives. Uh, I would love for our audience, um, who are many many fans of, that are listening and supporters of spoken word, um, to hear you share a verse. Yes, <laughs> from your work, any any of, uh, of verses from your choosing. I know you have a plethora of work, uh, but I'd like for them to hear you spit a little something.
1: Hmm. Okay. Um. Uh-huh. Okay, this is actually from a poem called Manifest. Mm. And you can just signal me when to
0: stop. (laughs) Sure, go right ahead. We we probably won't stop you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I opened my mouth one day and a universe fell out. So I traced its stars across my back for guidance, and I'm the only metaphor in that. This is a poem for taking back power to the woman I was before the woes set in. So you tell me I speak so well. In these poems, I call life back to myself, dig up all the dead things that mistook me for graveyard and give these bones back to all the beings they belong to. My body is not burial ground, was never built for that. But black women been confused with cemeteries since birth. We are where they go to hide all they unearth but still see shame in. And I have been mistaken for mortuary for a minute now, but no longer find comfort in the chaos that comes from carrying these skeletons. There is more to my black and my woman than oppression, more to my makeup than the way my mental health chooses to manifest. I am balanced in all things, offering poems as sacraments to nourish others, to learn to serve self as I continue lightworking. Leo's son, Aquarius' ascendant, descendant of ancestral beings who carried a mix of mystery and magic, that they were almost made to forget, and I almost forgot where I came from. So you tell me I speak so well. In these poems, I remind myself that there is still breath in my being, that I am a demonstration of whatever my words decide. I am who I said I was first before anyone attempted alterations. I carry constellations and galaxies inside me daily, and I manifest this peace as proof.
0: Wow, Thank snaps. You. Come on, if you know anything about spoken word and poetry, we do snaps, not claps. <laughs> that was powerful. Thank Tell you. us the name of, of that piece one more time. It is called Manifest. Manifest. Oh, I. there's so much in there. I wanted to scream, shout, yes, chant, and say amen all at the same time. Powerful, Thank powerful. You. A gift to us. Uh, we have um, our final segment in the show that I simply call "Getting Comfortable" when talking about uncomfortable mm-hmm. topics. I know uh, it's, it's it's what we do here, particularly talking about um, issues and areas of race. So I want to I want to dive into this segment with you. Uh, tell us about your earliest recollection of your racial identity. Mm. Um.
1: I would say honestly probably when I transitioned schools um mm. when I was about 4th grade. It wasn't that I didn't, you know, I obviously knew that I was black. <laughs> okay. Um but it wasn't necessarily something that was given to me to be this idea of like what it means to be to be a black woman until I faced oppression. Mm. And then it became, you know, this is who you come from, this is what that is. But I remember very vividly the first time I was ever called a racial slur, I was nine. Mm-hmm. And the kid who who said it was seven. And I felt so conflicted because I'm like, he's younger than me. And mm-hmm. I know that this is wrong. And I'm sure that he knows this is wrong. But also, what if he doesn't because he's younger than me? And if this is really how he was it was I dealt with that conflict of like, do I be the angry black girl at nine years old? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like? And then going throughout school, being that... And that was what was, you know, used against me when a lot of things would come up, I would speak out and it would be, oh, Crystal, you know, she's just uh, making it a big deal when it's not. Mm-hmm. This is just how we all are. All of that. Yeah. And so I dealt with the dismissal of that. OK, well, then I shouldn't speak up because then I'm just feeding into mm. whatever this belief is. But I say now, before I start any show, one of the best things that I've ever known of my life is be a black woman. Um, and it's. A complete 180 in the, yeah. the way that I love myself now because I'm not afraid to be that. I'm not afraid to be black, to be queer, to be an artist, to yes. be an educator, to do any of that. Yes. And there was a point where I literally was just not going to be. I was just going to just completely hide and just go through life and mind mm-hmm. my business. Mm-hmm. No, if if you think that I'm loud and I'm angry, I probably was in that moment. Okay.
0: <laughs> and we move on. Right, and <laughs> we move on. That you, you just said a mouthful that I believe is really, um, hopefully gave hope and empowerment to those that are listening, that you can be you.
1: Absolutely. It's okay
0: to be you. And, and your racial identity, your identity period, yes. right, uh, is unique to you and wear that well. Yes. Wear that well. Okay, one, one more question in this segment. Um, if you were able to leave your mark on the world, Using diversity, equity and inclusion um, as a, a signature mark, what would it be, particularly in spoken word?
1: It would be in spoken word, but it would also impact the mental health field. Hmm. Um, that's my also side life. I'm going into <laughs> I'm actually getting my master's this year um, in, in marriage and family therapy. Thank I love you it. Um, and working with counseling, and it would just be a greater level of inclusion and arts therapy mm-hmm. and also just like representation of just being mm-hmm. able to see people who are who who are representative of so many different communities actually doing something that's plausible yes. because even growing up in school all of the poets that I was introduced to were older white poets who mm. were they passed in the in the, the 70s or mm-hmm. the 1800s, we still didn't know who they were. Wow! And so there was never, I didn't meet another poet who actually was on stage performing and featuring and going places and touring until I was about 17 years old. Wow! I just mm-hmm. didn't know that it was plausible. Hmm. I just thought it was just a hobby that I did with my friends and it was cool and we wrote. Hmm. <laughs> that was it. So I think I would definitely just try to make a greater mark in letting people know that
0: It can be done. The work can be done. It can be done. I want to tell you right now, you're leaving some really large uh, breadcrumbs, (laughs) by the the work that you're doing with your publishing company, your spoken word. Um, You are an inspiration already, and I want you to hear that publicly. Um, I really want folks to know how uh, they can catch up with you. What are some of your current projects you're working on, and how can they support your area of advocacy? And thank you for bringing up mental health; it's so important.
1: Absolutely. so, if you want to connect with me on social media platforms, um, my handle is at Keyray Poetry K I R E I underscore P O E T R Y. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that. <laughs> I love TikTok. I just started getting into. I had one for about six months, and I was just using it to it's watch so other people. <laughs> Um, but that's my handle on all platforms. My website will be launching in the next couple of months, Um And I am also releasing a book this year nice. um, called Lessons from an Empty House.
0: Oh, my goodness. That's powerful. Um, it <laughs> I is, felt that all the way in my bones. <laughs> it
1: is based in um, the home that I was born in that I, oddly enough, don't have any memories of. I remember everything after that house. Mm. But the home that I was born in, um, it. It's on the the cover of it, but it really is just the idea of, like, I started diving into, like, my childhood trauma and doing shadow work and, like, okay, where does this behavior come from? You know, and outside of just, like, writing about my feelings, now that I've written, what do I do about it? Mm. So it's the lessons that I learned from those things that were, like, innately put into me mm-hmm. from, like, zero to three that I don't really remember Consciously, but my subconscious body still recognizes all of those
0: responses. Awesome. And so that's that next project. (laughs) Oh my goodness. We can't wait. We can't wait. I know that the listeners today are really excited uh, that they've had an opportunity to get to know Miss Key Ray. Thank Thank you you for being a special guest on Arts, Artists, and Advocates, a podcast based broadcast. You can find more content at lccconnect.com do it today arts artists and advocates is a series of conversations and performances that explore diversity equity and inclusion through the arts and activism highlighting the work of people on our campus and in our community that's making a difference i am your host dr tanya bailey and i'm reminding you that you matter we'll see you next time